Thank you very much. You can take a seat. My name is Greg. I'm one of the pastors here at Ecclesia, and uh, yeah, thankful to gather with you on this Lord's Day. Happy New Year. If uh, you haven't heard it from anybody yet, let me be the first. Um, happy New Year to you. It is uh, 2022, and um, as I uh, scanned the news yesterday, uh, everyone was both uh, lamenting and, and, and rejoicing that 2021 was over. Um, then there's, uh, there's, there's much to uh, acknowledge of the year that has passed uh, and much to look forward to in the year that is ahead. Um, we're going to be in Jeremiah 31, so we're going to walk through this passage over and over and over again, and I'm going to try to try to get us immersed in this passage today. And what we're shooting for today is, is this simple phrase, okay? What I want you to walk away with today is this reality that the morning, or the, I'm sorry, what, what do I have in there? Come on. The weary, that's what it is. I'm going to get that one. The weary receive and rejoice in God's extravagant blessing. Okay? The weary receive and rejoice in God's extravagant blessing. So we're going to see three parts to this, okay? We're going to see the weary and acknowledge what has come to pass for the nation of Israel, but also kind of our own weariness in the midst of that. And see it as the gift of God, and not see it as, as something to maybe to lament over, even though that's a reality, but see it truly as, as something that God shapes us in and through. Okay, so the weary receive and rejoice. Okay, so I want us to, to receive something today, and I want us to respond in a rejoicing posture. And we're receiving and rejoicing in God's extravagant blessing. Okay? And so this is going to, the, the, the main bulk of this text is not about you or about me, it's about God. It's about his blessing. It's about his character. It's about his fullness that he, he abundantly overflows, um, I mean, in just extra measure. So I'm just like, this extravagance of God's blessing to you and to me today. So I want us all to, to acknowledge, one, our weariness, be, be open to, to receive, not, not have closed, prideful hearts, but be open and humble and, and, and be, be open to the Lord. So be the weary, receiving and rejoicing God's extravagant blessing. So let's start with weariness, okay? Again, as I... Uh, as I open Drudge Report, don't judge my, uh, my news feed. Thank you. I do Yahoo also, which isn't really a news feed. It's more of a cultural feed, but whatever. Um, so I, as I open you know, Drudge Report, it's like you know, these fireworks, and it's, it's a new year. Finally, there's this reality that, that we, have, we have walked through a lot this last year. Amen? Yes. Whether it's personally in our family, where we have embraced uh, many struggles, both relationally, personally, emotionally, uh, physically, uh, that we have, have walked through, or, or whether 
you have uh, experienced major sickness or loss or, um, or job transition or life transition. I know there's a lot of new babies in the room, so it's like, man, there's some weariness in my bones uh, of, of uh, what's come to pass. I'm rejoicing, but I'm weary. Um, and so there's a reality that, that we um, you know, are, are in a world that is broken, and we are in a world that has, uh, has failed in many, in many regards. And, and, and we see this in the nation of Israel. The, the, the book of Jeremiah, this, this chapter and some of the chapters after are the like um, American celebration, fuzzy feeling, um, rejoicing of Jeremiah. The first 30 chapters, he is like railing on them, Okay. He is going after their idolatry. He is going after um, their, uh, their sin, their injustice. And, and honestly, God's judgment is being poured out upon his people um, up to this point. I mean, you can, if you have your Bible, you can uh, look at verse 23 of, ver- of chapter 30. Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. I mean, it's like, okay, that's one section. Now we're coming into the reality of like God's blessing and and God's restoration, God's rebuilding of his people. But I want you to notice in verse 2 that the the weariness that the people of Israel are still experiencing. And and, and I want you to to receive this and maybe identify this with yourself. Verse 2. Thus says the Lord, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. When Israel sought for rest, the Lord appeared to him from far away. Let's just take that one verse, okay? First of all, let's put ourselves in the the position of the people of Israel. The people who survived the sword. How would you, what, what would be your posture if you survived the sword? Grief? Lament, wonder at why you survived, what, what, what's, what's happened, why has this happened, where is God in the midst of this? Okay, so, so we, we survived the sword, okay, thanks be to God for that, and then we find grace in the wilderness. I don't know if you know this, but the wilderness is like a desert where there's no water or food. And it's the place of testing, and it's the place of complete lack of resources, where the people of God are humbled to the point of dependence upon God in every sphere of their life. So just put yourself in this position. I survived the sword, and now I'm in the wilderness. And I'm seeking for rest, and as the verse says, and God appears from where? Say it all together. Where does God appear from? That sounds pretty discouraging. That the Lord would be far. I don't know if you've ever felt that. If you haven't, you will. And there's a weariness that comes from this acknowledgement that, man, we, we, we've survived a year, and yet 
we're in the wilderness, and yet we're seeking God, and yet he's distant. Does he care? Does he know? And yet, it says that the Lord appeared. We're, we're going we're to get there, but we're setting the stage for weariness, okay? We're setting the stage for, for the weariness that we all experience. So whether it's loss, whether it's struggle, whether it's questioning, whether in the wilderness you have no sense of direction. In the wilderness, the people of Israel wandered for 40 years. I mean, I wander for a week, and I'm like, ah! God, tell me, what am I supposed to do? God, give me direction. God, like, I'm making this decision. Lord, I, I need to know about this, you know, uh, I'm thinking of friends here, like, this job, or am I going to take this? Or um, if, you know, I'm, I, I don't know. And if, if you're like me, I love clarity. I love to be like, to wrestle with things and like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get really clear on this. And usually what, what it comes down to is I don't really know. It's more of just like, I just make a decision in humility to trust God with. And, and in the wilderness, you, you walk in that reality of constantly going over and over again. So the people of Israel seek for us. Okay, so we've seen this in verse 2. Let's see this in, in the rest of the passage. Go to verse 8. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the farthest parts of the earth. Okay, wh wh that personifies this reality of isolation. The people are scattered abroad. They, they, they have no place to call home. They're, they're, they're scattered apart in the farthest parts of the earth. Among them, the blind, the lame. Okay, the pregnant women, man, Steph Platner, I could have you come up here right now. Um, your, your, your belly, you're so petite, and your belly's just like coming. It's just like, man, I long for God to, to come, but I am weary. The blind and the lame, she who's in labor together, the great company shall return. Verse 9, with weeping they shall come. They shall make pleas of mercy. Verse 12. They shall come and sing aloud on the heights of Zion, and they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord, over the grain, the wine, and the oil, over the young of the flock of the herd. Their life shall be a watered garden. They shall make the young women rejoice. This is all uh, the, the blessing of God. I'm sorry. Verse 11. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from the hands too strong for him. I don't know if you're in a situation, as you, as you look into this year, you may have so many plans, you may have so many things that you want to accomplish, and, and there's a reality of like, man, I don't know if I have what, what it takes. Or you may be in a situation where, where you feel stuck, okay, ransomed. You're literally enslaved. You're literally held captive. And then you have this word, redeemed, that, that, that is this idea of flourishing. This is, this is the idea of, like, of going forth in, in, in abundance. So you have this ransom and this redeemed, and that tells me that somebody's not only in bondage, but, they're, but they are held captive, and they, and they have, have nowhere to go. That may be for you emotionally or physically, mentally. Maybe you grew up in a, in a home that was bound, and there was no freedom to, to express 
who God had made you to be. And so we see in, in this passage, again, we start with weariness. We're going to get to blessing. Don't worry, guys. But we, we acknowledge our humanity. That's what weariness does. Did you know that? When we feel pain, what does that tell us? That you're human. That you are human. That we are not God. That we are not the ones in control of everything. That the world is not for me. And we can say that phrase, the world isn't for me, of like, oh no, like everything's for me. Like, the world is my playground. And, and there's a reality of like, no, it's God's playground. It's his world. He created it. I'm a participant in that. And, 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 and the weariness shows our humanity, that, that we can't earn, and better yet said, we won't earn. The blessing, the abundance, the extravagant blessing of God is not because of our goodness. It comes to the weary. It doesn't come to those who are self-sufficient. So if you're hearing all of this weariness and it's like, oh, Greg, come on, man, it's a new year. My job is to orient us to the realities of God that he blesses those who seek after him and are in need of him, not those who are self-sufficient in themselves, not those who think they can do it apart from him. Isaiah 66 says it this way. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. We just stop there. Thank you, Lord. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made. And so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But to the one, the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. The God of all the earth, what does he look for? The humble. The one who shudders at God's word. Man. As I start the year, am I, am I planning all these things that I can do for the Lord? Or am I sitting contrite, humble before his spoken word? Jesus says it this way, Matthew 5. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, those who have much power and yet are harnessed, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So that's half, of just, that's four out of the nine Beatitudes of Jesus, the famous teaching of the, the Sermon on the Mount that he declares how, what posture we are to have as his people. And so we acknowledge the year that has passed, both its joys as well as its sorrows. And we acknowledge our limitations. We acknowledge that we are human. We acknowledge that we are in need. 
Let's just take a moment. I'm going to pause for about 20 seconds. And I just want you to acknowledge the year that has passed and the weariness that, had, that has been there. Uh, and then we're going to talk about God's extravagant blessing and how he meets us in the midst of that weariness. Okay? So let's just acknowledge our need and our humble humility before the Lord. Acknowledge your weariness before the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the cooing of a child that displays our need for your bread and your milk, your word, your comfort. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> All right, God's blessing. Y'all ready for that? All right, here we go. So we see throughout all of this over and over and over, God's blessing that is abundant, extravagant, beyond measure, beyond comprehension. This, these are the people, again, who were rebellious, who didn't earn, and God brings them together and just provides everything that they could ever dream of and want. Okay, Verse 2 again, they found grace in the wilderness. Not earned, not deserved, not, you know, figured out. They were sustained in the wilderness. Even when they were far away, even when they were, 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 were mourning, God led them. He had grace upon them. Look at verse 3. The Lord appears to them. We just celebrated the appearing of our Lord. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have loved you with an everlasting love. That, that chesed, the, the everlasting, unfailing, unfading, always and forever love of God. It is continuing. Eternity past, eternity present, eternity future. Therefore, I have continued... Out of God's love, he acts. It's not just this idea. Love is something that, that is personified, that is given action. Therefore, I have continued my faithfulness to you. Has Israel been faithful? No. Have I been faithful? No. Has God been faithful? Yes. I have continued my faithfulness to you. And I will build you. Catch this. And you shall be built. That's what I'm talking about. I will build you, and you shall be built, O virgin Israel. We see this extravagance of God that no matter his people's response, he is firm and steadfast in his character and in his blessing.
Let's jump down to verse 9. The second part of verse 9. I will make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble. For I am a father to Israel, and Ephraim is my firstborn. What do we see again in there? Is it in the grace in the wilderness that the Lord will lead them. He will make them walk. Did you catch that? Walk by their strength? No. Walk by their wisdom? No. He will make them walk by brooks of water. He will make them walk in a straight path. In all our veering and weaving, he blesses and makes the path straight, and they shall not stumble. For I am their father. Hear the word. God speaks. God gives. He isn't just guiding and directing. Yes, God is over the creation of the world, but he also interacts with, he also knows, and he also speaks. For the Lord has ransomed Jacob and has redeemed him from the hands too strong for him. This church is the story of the people of God forever. Think about Lot, you think about Abraham, you think about the people of Israel in Egypt, think about them in Babylon, you think about them in the Romans, you think about them, us now, even in the midst of, of, of need, constantly, Lord, ransom, Lord, redeem, Lord, bring us back. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13 says this. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Keep going. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What does that sound like? That sounds like ransoming and redeeming, taking the powers that bind us, Satan, sin, and death, namely our own, but also, as Scripture would say, our father, the evil one, and loosing the bonds, taking the deeds that we have and literally nailing them to his own cross. Jesus didn't die for his sin or the sins that were propagated around him. He, he died for my sins, and he died for the sins of the world that we literally nail to the cross our debts that stood against us. We have failed. We have transgressed the law, and yet those deeds have been ransomed. They've been ransomed, and they have been redeemed. They have been released. They have been set free. This is the story, church, of those who have gone before us and those who will come after, that the Lord is our Redeemer. He is the one who ransoms us, not our deeds and not our uh, fruit for God, but his work on our behalf in the cross of our Lord Jesus.
They shall come and sing in the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Verse 12. We see these aspects of God's closeness, his his literal guiding the people of Israel, his appearing to them, his drawing near to them, his his intimacy with them, his faithfulness, his consistency over and over and over. We just talked about that in, in, in the story of being ransomed and redeemed, of God's unfailing and everlasting love, and God comforts his people. This is where it gets fun because we see these realities of the spiritual church answer of Jesus, that he saves our souls. But this passage displays not only a saving of our souls, but a rejoicing with our bodies. A rejoicing in creation. Verse 5. He comforts his people. Again, you shall plant vineyards on the mountains of Samaria. What kind of vineyards are these? Uh, Grape? Wine? Thank you. Vineyards. God doesn't have a preference. The planters shall plant and enjoy, come on, the fruit. Amen. The planters shall plant and enjoy the fruit. Can we plant and not enjoy the fruit? Can we plant and not harvest? Yeah. Can we plant and harvest and then not enjoy it? I've done that. But this is the reality of God abundantly blessing, not just redeeming them, taking them from the wilderness, taking them from the sword, but bringing them into a land and giving them an abundant harvest. Verse 12. They shall come and sing around on the height of Zion. They shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Check this. Over the grain, the wine, the oil, and over the young of the flock and the herd. Their life shall be like a watered garden. Stand they shall, stand they shall languish no more. Verse 14. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance. What I think is so interesting about this, church, is that um, God isn't only interested in your soul and your mind. He's also interested in your body. He's also interested in the fullness of what it looks like to follow him with every fiber, every taste bud, every eye molecule. I don't even, every retina, you know, like... Every single part of who we are that expresses the abundance of God. And he not only redeems and ransoms our inner being, but he makes joyful our body. The Lord extravagantly blesses. There are countless means today in which the world can allure you to please your body. And man, you can experience pleasure. But the Lord wants to give you a pleasure beyond just your body, but your whole 
being. It is both body and soul. It is full integrity, not just one piece of me and I have a little piece of regret or a little piece of sorrow or, or a continued longing because I want more and more and more. It's called addiction. This is the abundance of God that covers our whole being. All of our relationships, all of who we are, all of our posterity, all of the generations before, all are in God's comfort and in God's blessing. So the weary, those who are open and humble, receive and rejoice in God's extravagant blessing. It's talking about receiving and rejoicing. We see this reality in the people of Israel that, that we can acknowledge and, and receive, but then we also can rejoice. And those are two different things. Receiving, I'm going to say, is like accepting, accepting a gift. And then rejoicing is displaying that in your life. Okay, The weary receive and rejoice in God's extravagant blessing. Receiving. The people were guided. The people heard. The people planted. The people were God's flock. They accepted his goodness. A question for you today is, are you accepting of God's goodness? I was on a phone call or a Zoom call with some friends from California, uh, two friends uh, this week, and uh, was kind of updating them on some, some things and uh, kind of wrestling through some other things with them. And uh, one of them, he, st- he literally stopped me mid-sentence and he's like, Greg, do you have a problem just accepting that people care for you and love you and want to help you? And I'm like, you're a jerk. <laughs> I, get, I mean, I, I, <laughs> I say that to Chris because he's like, I mean, he is a, a, a true good friend. But, but I'm like, dude, you just like peered into my soul. I'm like, yes, I struggle accepting that. Thank you for pointing that out. There's a reality, church, that w- I don't want to accept help. I want to do it on my own. I want to be strong. I want to be American. Pull myself up by my bootstraps. I don't even have boots. Thank you, Lord. But but in order to receive, I've got to have an open posture. Yeah? I've got to be humble enough to not only ask for it or acknowledge that I need it, but receive it. And there may be some of you today that just need to receive. That you're hard. That you're hardened to God's blessing. You read all this blessing of God's blessing your body, the wine, the grain, the oil, and you're like, (laughs) what a pipe dream. It's called hard-heartedness. Something to repent of. That God wants to extravagantly bless you. Not because you earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you're going to do anything with it, but because you would enjoy it. Man, that's a good father. That's a good father who wants to give a blessing He wants to comfort. He wants you to feast. Once we receive, then we have this reality of rejoicing. 
We rejoice in God, and we see this abundantly in this text, that the people go out and they are merry. In verse 13, they sh- then shall the young women rejoice in the dance. We're going to have some dancers up in here. The young men and the old shall be merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. In, uh, in verse 6, this is one of the ones that, that was really convicting to, for me, just really, really personally, um, for this text. Verse 6, there shall be a day when watchmen will call in the whole country of Ephraim. Okay, so number one, watchmen, their job was to protect. Okay, watchmen sat on, sat on the walls, and they, they looked out across the gates to protect the people of Israel from uh, attack, but they also looked inside to make sure that things were going as they should. Okay, they were the eyes and the ears of the government, the king, who, whoever. Okay, they were vigilant in this watching. They were always on alert. Think about your uh, your adrenals always being fight or flight because it's like, man, I'm always like, okay, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? That's my life. Okay. There shall be a day when the watchman will call in the hill country. Arise, let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. These watchmen are not freaking out with anxiety. These watchmen are inviting people of like, let's go, it's going to be a party. These guys who are filled with responsibility, again, I'm personifying in my life, are filled with invitation and love and excitement let us go up to Zion. This is rejoicing. This is not a time for fear or lament. This is a time of God's rejoicing. Verse 7, sing aloud with gladness for Jacob. Raise shouts for the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Their rejoicing turns into what? Prayer for the nations. We don't pray for the nation's church out of duty and obedience to God. Sometimes we do. That's, let me correct myself. Sometimes we do do that. But other times we proclaim and we pray for the, for the nations to come and to see the salvation and blessing of God because we have experienced it and we are rejoicing in it. The Lord is calling us in this new year to receive from him. Whether we've had a year of weariness, whether the last five years have been weariness, whether the upcoming year is going to be weariness, whatever it is, my message to you today is the weary are in the perfect position, not apart from God, but the weary in a perfect position to be blessed abundantly. So I want my goals to be in line with verse thir- uh, 13 and 14. As, I, as, as I, w- I want to wrap up in this reality of us receiving and rejoicing in God's blessing, as we think about 2022, as we think about your goals, as we think about all the things that you want to accomplish, I want us to be rooted and grounded in this reality. 
going to start. The young women shall rejoice in the dance. The young men shall be old and merry. I will turn their mourning into joy. Whatever you experience, if you experience mourning or joy, that is both in God and his blessing. I will comfort them. I will give them gladness for sorrow. Whether you experience gladness or sorrow, the Lord is present. I will feast the soul of the priests with abundance, and my people shall be what? What's that word? Satisfied. Satisfied. With my goodness. We can, as a people, we can look to all the blessings of God. We can say, oh, God's going to do this for me. 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 But what this, te- what this text teaches me is that God himself is the one that I am to be satisfied in. God himself is the one that I want to feast in. And as verse 12 says, they shall be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. Church, I want us to be radiant over God's goodness. Whether that's in sorrow or in rejoicing or, or weeping or, or, or gladness, I want us to be radiant over the goodness of the Lord. What is radiance? Radiance is not just something that you ingest. Radiance is something that is expressed, that you live your whole life in light of. The weary receive and rejoice God's extravagant blessing. May we be people who are radiant over God's goodness today. Chris is going to come up and and do a reflection, and let me close in prayer. Lord, thank you that you are the one who satisfies us. Lord, as we enter into this year, um, I am personally just confessing and convicted about all of the uh, all the plans, all the, all the products, all the things that promise that this year is going to be amazing. Lord, we lay, these, we lay these idols before you. We lay these things that want our attention and our money, our time, our joy. We lay them before you, say, Lord, we want to be radiant over your goodness. We want to be satisfied with your blessing, with your person as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, you are the one that we seek after. You are the one that we long for. You are the one that we say, come, 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 Lord Jesus. We we long for your appearing. We long to be made one with you. We long to see you, not in a mirror dimly, but face to face. We long for your goodness and your radiance, Lord. I pray for those who are weary today, that you would comfort them, that you would sustain them, that you would give them grace in the wilderness, that you would lead them, not by their wisdom, but by your grace, by brooks of water, into your land of blessing. 
Lord, we long for that land that we will see and embrace fully when your kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. We long for that day, O Lord. Come, Lord Jesus.